Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. And good afternoon. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle. An hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. Try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. We have Kevin sitting in on the other side of the glass. Christian taking your calls on 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're here until 3 o'clock. And then at 3 o'clock, Curtis Slewa comes in for left versus right. You can hear us anywhere on the globe, either WABCRadio.com or you can download the app. And this will be available as a podcast shortly after we go off the air. If you'd like to reach out to me, at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, on Twitter, if it's still there. And WienerWABC at gmail.com. Great to have you along. Nice day outside, a little bit chilly. Be grateful that you're not... Well, I don't know. I mean, you should be grateful, period, but be grateful that uh, if you don't like snow, you're not in Buffalo, New York, or in Hamburg, New York, getting that lake effect snow. My friend Kevin sent me this video of the snow rolling in. Man, you got to be tough to live in Buffalo, let me tell you. I don't know where they're going to play that football game today. Last I heard, they were moving it to Detroit, but I don't know if the teams were able to get there. <clears throat> Big week in America. All the results are basically in now. 50-50 country did what we might expect a 50-50 country to do. We've got a 51-49 Senate and a 51%, 49% House. It's actually a little closer than that. It's like 50.06 or something like that. Chuck Schumer will continue to be the majority leader in the United States Senate. That's great for New York. Whatever your politics are, I can tell you that Republican, Democrat members who want to get stuff done for their districts, want to get stuff done for the state, having the majority leader of the Senate from New York um, and Chuck is, he, you can ask Republicans throughout the state, he is famous for liking to do things in a bipartisan way, so it's good for him. Mitch McConnell, after a brief challenge by the chair of the uh, Democratic Se- Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, Scott of Florida, who did terribly, he challenged McConnell in law, so McConnell will still be that. <clears throat> and uh, basically, you know, summary – Races that came down to being about Trump, the Democrats won around the, around the country, still a couple have left, a very to- close margin. I'll talk a little bit more about Donald Trump a little bit later in the program. I have to figure out what to do now. You know, one of my – if you go back and listen to episode one of this program, I said one thing I wanted to try to do is not mention Donald Trump's name too much because it just, you know, it it made Democrats nuts. It made Republicans fired up and he wasn't the president anymore. Well, got to figure out a new – tactic on that. Um, But we'll talk about that later on in the show. Also, a little later in the show, one of the most iconic political rock and roll songs of all time that you and I have both been um, hearing wrong, hearing the lyrics wrong or hearing the title wrong, one or the other. I'll explain to that a little later. Um, And there will be big changes in the House. You know, it is true. And, you know, while Democrats have been doing this victory dance around the country, we held off the worst of it. Um, as, as Steve Moore just said in his his program, as others have said and Donald Trump said in his speech, the Republican taking over the House is a big deal. And it's historically very, very close, so close that it is still not clear yet who the speaker will be because um, Kevin McCarthy is now the nominee of his caucus. But all it takes for now it goes to the floor of the House of Representatives, and 218 members have to vote for him. And if he has five or six defections, he won't be the speaker. So that remains to be seen. But one face you won't be seeing um, or you won't be seeing much of is Nancy Pelosi stepped down. She announced she won't be pursuing leadership um, that she's had since 2002. She's 82 years old. She stepped aside. By the way, so did Steny Hoyer, the next in charge of Maryland. He's 83. He stepped aside. He was the minority leader. Uh, I'm sorry, the majority leader, and before that he was the whip, and Jim Clyburn, who's 82, South Carolina, he's the whip. He also said he was. So they, they, you want to talk about changing of the guard. But Nancy Pelosi is the 
is the 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 name you won't be seeing as much of, the face you won't be seeing much of. And, and a lot of people are cheering. I know there are a lot of people who listen to this program who don't like her. She has kind of like – she's the boogeyman, right? She's the the quarterback of the team that you hate. She's the Tom Brady to a Jets fan. And she's been reduced to something of a cartoon. I, I – you know, I have to say – she's the most powerful woman in the history of our country, right? Can we think of anyone who has has wielded the gavel or anything similar to that in the history of our country? We had a chance to see a truly historic person. You know, I supported Nancy. I got to Congress. I was elected in 98, walked in in January of 2003. Dick Gephardt was still the the minority leader at the time. I came in in the minority. And I was immediately... There was a campaign that was going to start going on shortly in 2002. Gephardt steps down, and there was this race between Steny Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi. Now, I I supported Nancy. I was one of her whips. I was rewarded for that being being made the New York Democratic whip at the time. And some of it was because of her relationship with Chuck Schumer. She and Chuck Schumer were very close for many, many years, and I worked, as many of you know, for Chuck Schumer before I got elected to the city council. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about her and tell some stories that you might be surprised at. I have a podcast, um, The Middle Unplugged. It comes out every Wednesday. You should go subscribe to that. The episode that's currently in the queue is um, I go and I take a look at uh, at basically some of the predictions that I made and some of the things I think are going to happen for more reaction to the election. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Nancy Pelosi. But I can tell you this. She is a remarkable tactician. She also has had a very narrow margin to work with. When she was in the minority, she was very good. She helped pass Obamacare. She's remarkable at what she does. And the short version of why is that she is very good at, you know, letting you know that ultimately these votes are up to you, the individual member, but making you understand you know what the impact is and and inspiring this sense like a good quarterback does a sense of team over individual um she can never make me vote for something that wasn't in my district's best interest and wasn't something i believed in that she couldn't do um but she was a remarkable leader in that way that so many leaders are and i know that she's the boogeyman she was in so many tv commercials for republicans around the country and a lot of people are thrilled to see her go um but if i was kevin mccarthy whoever the republican speaker is uh, I would go to school on how to be like her um, because she was really, really good at her job and did it for a long time. And I think she'll be missed from the scene. And now we're going to have a new slate of Democratic leaders. But they're not going to be nearly as important as who the Republican leaders are since they are going to be running the House of Representatives. So each week we'd like to do some numbers of the week. Um, first number this week is 271. That is the number of words. That's all. The number of words in the Gettysburg Address. Today is the anniversary, November 19th, 1863, 159 years ago, the Gettysburg Address given by Abraham Lincoln, four score, etc. Um, one of, you know, it's pretty remarkable. Only 271 words. You can probably do that in less time than I'm going to do this opening monologue. Um, 141 That's how many stories about violent crime there were on Fox News on average from Labor Day to Election Day. Uh, 141 stories about violent crime. Last week, week after the election, it's 74. Um, Just a way of saying that, you know, I know Kathy Hochul took some some flack for saying there's a conspiracy about crime to make that a big issue. There's no doubt about it. That was definitely one of the things that animated a lot of Republican voters, Fox News, was on the job. Now they're getting back to normal, um, 141 down to 74 in one week. Um, similar numbers that seem to have changed dramatically since Election Day. On Election Day, oil was $89 a barrel. Today it's down to 80 So uh, 12%, 11 12% uh, reduction. Why that is, who knows? This one might be a case of just coincidence, but it could be that, look, just the same way the Saudis did everything they could to drive up gas prices before the election. And you can argue that so did Exxon and BP and Shell and all these other guys that didn't want and didn't have any desire to have lower gas prices and lower, lower oil prices. I'm just saying that since Election Day, now maybe we can get back to having kind of reasoned debates about some of these things. Um, 
Another number is 31%. Exit polls, and exit polls are more reliable than because they're not really predictive. You get people that are actually leaving the polling places and you get to give, give them questionnaires so you don't you don't have to kind of predict who's going to be voting. But exit polls said that the number one issue that mattered most to their vote, 31%, 31 is the number, said inflation was the issue that mattered most uh, to their vote. And of those people that said inflation, 70% voted for Republicans, which is very interesting. So the number one issue that, that moved... Uh, 70% of Republicans was that. So that brings me to the part of the show where I speak from the middle and I speak for all America. But actually, I don't need to – actually, there's there's better people than I, as hard as that is to believe, to speak for America. Um, this guy is Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. Right. Let's go back to the 2020 election. Joe Biden was the most moderate of all the candidates running on the Democrat side. He was deemed the most moderate of both he and, and Donald Trump. So America has been asking for more moderation for quite some time. Uh, there's just, you know, certain parts of of uh, the Republican Party that haven't listened so well. We just got to get back to basics. It's not inf- unfixable. We just got to get back to basics. Now, that's Chris Sununu. Chris Sununu is the governor of New Hampshire. You may remember his name, John Sununu. John Sununu was the chief of staff, I want to say, under the first President Bush, but he's like an institution in Washington. He, too, is the governor. And by the way, being the governor of New Hampshire means you have a lot to say about who's going to be the Republican nominee. Obviously, uh, New Hampshire is an important bellwether state. So he – I could not agree with him more. I mean – and that's true of Democrats. It's true of Republicans. It's true of the country, like getting back to kind of basics, inflation, economy, crime, immigration. These are the basics that Sununu was talking about. Um, and we have a resetting now. Political season is over. We can get back to those issues. So when the new GOP House goes, they elect, well, they choose, they didn't really elect him, they chose Kevin McCarthy to be their speaker, and they went out and they had their first press conference to announce what they were going to do in the majority and listen to what they said. Whatever, with the with an escort service, the escort service then uh, paid the, the prostitute, and then the bank implies that the escort service is under suspicion for human trafficking. We see where the escort service is, fr- uh, the, the prostitute, fr- she's not from the United States. Again, I don't want this to be about the, the human tra- the, the prostitute. Here, here's the thing. Hunter Biden isn't this innocent guy that just got a bad rap because he had a drug problem. And the Republicans don't need to waste any time on Hunter Biden. We don't, we're not trying to prove Hunter Biden is a bad actor. Yep, you got it. <laughs> right out of the box, they have that. That's I think his name is John Comer. He's the he represents Kentucky. I don't know him. He wasn't there when I was there. At this point, not a lot of people are still there from when I was there, except the old timers. Um, he's the chairman of the Oversight Committee. The very first press conference from the very first committee about the very first agenda item for the new Congress is Hunter Biden. Now. You know, I love me some Hunter Biden talk. I think it was the second episode. You go back to episode two, episode three. I even did a couple of them about Hunter Biden. I don't mind talking about Hunter Biden. But seriously, there was not a single exit poll where Hunter Biden came up as one of the more more important issues facing the country today. And so they're not doing inflation. I don't know how Hunter Biden helps you with inflation. I don't know how Hunter Biden helps you with immigration. I don't know how Hunter Biden creates any new jobs, but... You know, if there is going to be a successful Republican majority and if they're going to make it harder for Democrats to retake the House, um, they're not going to talk about this kind of stuff. They're going to talk about stuff that people care about. And I have to tell you that that I mean, I don't know what I'm rooting for. I mean, I want the country to be a success, Um, but I can tell you right now, having watched how um, how Barack Obama did it when the um, well, those guys called the Tea Party guys came in. I can tell you when how Bill Clinton did it when Newt Gingrich came in. Sometimes all a Democratic president has to do to ensure he gets reelected is just sit back and hopes the other party gets extreme. And that looks like what they're going to do. And you might be as fired up as they are about the Hunter Biden thing. 
for my money, as someone looking at this from the middle of the country, trying to get stuff done, trying to solve problems, trying to show that you're ready, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. When we come back, 800-848-WABC. I want to hear what you have to say, 800-848-9222. And we'll also talk about that man whose name I dare not utter on the middle, on the other side. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner, the Who bring us back in. That's the song, by the way, I'm talking about. I'll get into it a little bit later, but there is... That song, which I've been singing along to God, since I was a teenager, I've been getting something very important. Arguably, I'm interested in what you think of, arguably the most iconic political anthem in rock music. I mean, you can probably come up with a good list for that. But anyway, so we're back. We're talking a little bit about what happened and how Congress is proceeding. And I did mention, if you caught me, I did mention that I said that the Senate was 5149. Um, it's not. Technically, it's 50 to 49, and there's a race coming up in Georgia the first week in December that is going to decide that last seat. But I already gave the seat to Raphael Warnock. And to understand why I'm so sure, listen to the very first ad of the runoff campaign. We must all work very hard for a gentleman and a great person named Herschel Walker, a fabulous human being who loves our country and will be a great United States senator. Herschel Walker, get out and vote for Herschel, and he deserves it. He was an incredible athlete. He'll be an even better senator. Get out and vote for Herschel Walker. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. You hear that? Yeah, that's right. It's a 30-second ad by Raphael Warnock, the first one he's putting out. He's the incumbent Democrat, and he just let Donald Trump's speech play for 30 seconds. He paid a bunch of money to put that ad up in Georgia as his very first ad because that other piece of news from this week, a senior citizen from Florida made an announcement. Um, we have a candidate already for campaign 2024. I wasn't, I was hoping we'd get a little break. He moved his announcement so far up. We haven't even finished campaign 22 yet, but why, why is Raphael Warnock playing that? Because he saw the results from the midterm elections. I mean, if we've learned, if we learned one thing that seems to stick and that is that when the race becomes more about Trump, it hurts the candidate of his party. Very interesting exit poll. There's something called double negative voters. And who are double negative voters? People who don't like Joe Biden and um, who also don't like MAGA, who like don't, you know, kind of both things. And those double negative voters are voting overwhelmingly for Biden and the Democrats. Um, but But make no mistake about it. I mean, I've heard some back and forth on the station here over the course of the last week. By the way, to 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Take that number down because I'm interested in who you, you all are are rooting for. I, I have some results of a poll that I did on Twitter about this among Democrats, but I'm interested in what listeners hear. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Make no mistake about this. Um, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. He is going to win. You know, I I know that Fox News has turned on him and the New York Post has turned on him. And I know that conservative media is much more disciplined than liberal media about, like, pounding a message. And they pounded away that they don't want Trump anymore. They're done with him. I get it. I know that suddenly all these people that were cheek to jowl with 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 Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, all these other guys, all these other guys are suddenly distancing themselves from Trump. Or maybe they'll even run. I get it. All of these people who arguably owe their 
their political their political successes to Donald Trump. They've all turned on him. I all get that. But just think about the dynamic for a second. Think about what is going to happen. You go to Iowa, you have three or four or five people on there. Do we, we have any doubt that incumbent that incumbent that former President Trump is going to win those races, those primaries? And when you have three or four or five or six, it, that just makes it easier and easier and easier for the best known candidate to emerge. I mean, we have this, and I think Tom, I think DeSantis truly is the the future. He did a remarkable job um, in the elections. He was the brightest of the bright spots for the Republicans. I don't dismiss that, but he's untested, and he certainly is untested against the buzzsaw that is Donald Trump. Um. I just don't see a scenario. I, I just don't don't see. I mean, take the early polls. You you can somewhat dismiss them, but not too much. I mean, 40, 40, 40 to 50 percent of primary voters already say that they're committed to Donald Trump. He is going to win. Now, I did this poll on Twitter. Where I asked Democrats, what would you pref- what are we rooting for? Are we rooting for him to win primaries or lose primaries? And by 360 people voted said they're rooting for him to win primaries because the only person we know for sure Joe Biden can beat (laughs) is Donald Trump. So Democrats want him too. So you're going to see Democrats do everything they can to make sure kind of like what um, Chuck Schumer did with some Senate candidates that were more MAGA. He promoted them. He 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 ran ads to support them because he knew they'd be easy, or he thought they'd turn to be right would be easier to beat. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. He remains popular among Republican voters. Um, he has the 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 although Tom although DeSantis has been has been creeping up a little bit. He's not like winning any of these polls, and. I just think that it's also a a truism that early polling leaders very often win these primaries. I mean, Joe Biden was the leader in the primaries last time. However bad stuff was going for him in the individual primaries, the national polls still showed that he was the the popular, the popular, um, the popular Democrat. So he's going to win. Our candidates, as much as we might not like them, Democrats are not nuts about Biden. Republicans are, are, you know, probably probably wish they could move on. They're not going to. This is a classic case of Pandora's box. You know, Donald Trump, they had a chance to stop Trump, these Republicans. This is too late. I mean, and and what and, and all of the you know, we know why he announced early. He announced early because he wants to get in front of the, of the legal problems that he has and there's going to be a special prosecutor now, and he's, you know, and he had a different tone of voice at his speech. Although it was a boring tone of voice, but it was a tone of voice that he didn't mention, you know, election denial at all. I mean, it seems like he's trying to get the message. He read off a teleprompter. As a result, it was not a terrific speech. But make no mistake about it: if you hear people on the radio here saying, "Oh no, this could happen, that could happen, this can happen," you can write it down. Donald Trump. Under much more difficult circumstances, vanquished a much stronger collection back in 2016 without breaking a sweat. He is going to be the nominee. He is not going to win the election. He's not the strongest candidate in a general election, and he might be literally the only person that Joe Biden can beat. But he is going to be the nominee. Um, and that's, you know, now what version of Donald Trump you get is your guess is as good as mine. We saw two this week. We saw him give that speech, reading it off a teleprompter in a sleepy room with people. ABC had some video of people trying to leave the room and they were locked in there, whatever. Then we saw a couple of days ago or yesterday when they announced the special prosecutor, he's back to his old spicy self. I think we're going to get that version. And I got one other thing. One other thing. And again, I do want to hear what you have to, what you think about it. 800-848-WABC, 800 848 9222. You know, there's just one other thing. And if you think I'm wrong about this, I think you're just wrong. You don't think he's going to slash and burn opponents of his? You don't think he's going to, you know, go down swinging if he goes down? You don't think he's going to light the place on fire? You think this guy's going to say, all right, I'm going to take a bunch of losses and 
in primaries and just kind of go, you know, give a bunch of concession speeches and go back to Mar-a-Lago? No way. He is going to light the place on fire. He is going to tear down his opponents. He he doesn't care one whit about the Republican Party. I think, you know, we pretty much – he doesn't care. about hey, That's not what animates him. He may care about his supporters. He may care about the country. He may care about whatever, but he doesn't care about the party. So I think that although it is very early and there's legal stuff to come and there are going to be primaries and everything else, and some people are going to get into the race here, and maybe DeSantis becomes the darling at the beginning – um, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee and he's going to be running against an incumbent president, Joe Biden, who will have spent the last two years or the next two years running against the do nothing Republican Congress or something like that. I mean, this is basically the preview in my view. I think that's what's going to wind up happening. There's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Um, but that's going to be the broad outlines of, of what happens. And the problem with this the problem for the Republicans of the Donald Trump candidacy is that he's such an unconventional candidate and a good one. I mean, he won. He he won. I mean, he's you know, but let's keep an eye on this. He did not win the popular vote in 16. Did he got trounced in 2018 in the midterms? 2017, he lost the Virginia state legislature, the Republicans and lost the governorship there. Um, 2000. 20, obviously, he didn't win the popular vote or the Electoral College vote. 2022, we just saw what happened to his candidates in any time that he was even remotely on the ballot. He's not going to win, but he's going to make it very difficult for another candidate to emerge. And when we come back, um, we're going to devote the rest of the time to calls because a lot of people want to weigh in both on the House of Representatives. Some people still want to talk about Biden. People want to talk about Donald Trump. And I'm eager to talk about this song. We Radio 77. WABC. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. 77 WABC. And welcome back. That's The Who. That's the one clue I'll give you. Just think about the name of that song for a minute. That's all I want you to do. Just think about the name of that song. All right, let's go to the calls. People have been waiting for a while. We're talking about where the, the Republicans took over the House. Congratulations to them. The Senate was held by the Democrats. And campaign 2004 is, believe it or not, already underway as a senior citizen in Florida made an announcement this week. Let's start off with Glenn in Brick, New, New Jersey. Go ahead, Glenn. Oh, Anthony, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. Listen, I, I heard you say that the Republicans are starting off extreme. Well, what about when Trump got on the escalator? The Democrats never stopped being extreme. Never. Now, if Trump's son did what Hunter Biden did, what do you think would have happened? Honestly, what do you think the Democrats would have done? I don't know. I think it's I think. You know, what Hunter Biden did is a mess, and I think it's a mess. I, I do. But I, I guess the, the, what I was trying to make the point was, do you think – and I'll ask you, Glenn. Do you think if you take over the House of Representatives and all the American people had just voted, extremism had kind of been rejected, would you have started with that issue? Of course I would. We've been waiting for, for two years for somebody to do something. But, Glenn, it's Nobody not – but who's the we? I know there are a lot of bedrock – and, you know, whatever Trump, what, I don't know what even to call it, like people who really believe that that's but the modest, the moderate middle voted just this last week and kind of rejected that those fringes. I don't just don't think it's a great strategy. It doesn't do anything to bring down the price of food, doesn't bring anything Me. to I mean, I, I and I and I appreciate you calling. But I get that there are people who love this issue. I know Fox News loves it and Newsmax loves it. And I get it. I just don't think it's a winner. That's my thing what i think because i called got it fair enough that's a good point you you get the vote on this one um next is uh next is the next is chris in pompton lakes good afternoon hey chris uh, chris listen, before I, you start before you, you start chris before you start is pompton lakes anywhere near highland lakes uh 
where's Highland Lake? Yeah, in the, like, uh, all the way up in the north in Sussex County. No, no, never mind. It's a place where yeah, my... Yeah, it's about, about a half hour. Got it. Go, go ahead, Chris. Sorry to throw, throw you off there. Yes, because, look, we need to know if the president of the United States is in bed with China. If, he, if he's compromised, we should know. You know, but that wasn't my point. I wanted to say, you know, the problem is, is that the news media, social media, and the Democrats all told you to hate a man for putting this country first for five years. And it's sad that, you know, they didn't work together to accomplish more. You mean you mean you think that the media was hard on Donald Trump? Absolutely. Got it. All right, that's that's if a that... look. It was over high ninety percent of the news coverage for Donald. Most media channels were negative. Okay, that that that's fair enough. I mean, look, I I think that he had a, a TV net, the most popular cable TV network in the entire country, um, by a lot. At his disposal every moment of every day for four years. So I'm not sure. And and on the other side of the coin, anytime he stood up and said anything in 2016, CNN, MSNBC, all these left leaning outlets covered his rallies wall to wall. So I don't know. I mean, that, that, that could be. But whatever the reason that Donald Trump is unpopular today almost doesn't matter. I would say if you he's going to be the nominee and he's not going to get elected. I mean, he left office at 31 percent, 39 percent popularity, the highest he ever had when he was got when the entire time he was in was 44 percent. That spe- that range was all he ever did. He never won the popular vote, et cetera. So I think he's the and we just saw an election. We don't have to go back four years. We just saw an election where his candidates that he handpicked ran away from him like the plague and it wasn't enough. And we see exit polls that show that that was part of the reason. But, Chris, I, I agree. I I think that if we are litigating Donald Trump again today, it's a sign of trouble for the Republican Party. And it's definitely a sign of problem for, for people in the middle who kind of want to get a fresh start here. But I, I, I see the appeal. I mean, I, I, I see the appeal. I don't support him, but I, I certainly um, – I certainly see the appeal. Uh, next up is Sean in Queens. Sean, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know where to start. There's so many things to discuss with you. I, I have to say we're on the different side of the political aisle. I do respect you. I think you're a very, very smart guy, and uh, you're very well-spoken. Uh, let me say that. This is the first time I've actually been listening to your show, but I do follow you. And um, let me say this. The Democrats love the popular vote. They keep talking about, we're a democracy. We're not a democracy, by the way. Uh, you know, if people took enough civics, they would know that we're a constitutional republic, okay? We are a representative republic, all right? And since we are on the topic of a popular vote, it just so turns out that in the midterms, the Republicans won the popular vote. And so does Trump deserve credit for that? Well, let's take these things one at a time. I'm fascinated by this newfound, and I appreciate the call, Sean. I appreciate the, 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 that you're, you're checking in. I hope you do listen to every week. I'm fascinated by this newfound a, attachment to this phraseology around we are a constitutional republic. Yes, we do not all go, all 300 million of us go down to Washington and vote on everything. We don't do everything by referendum. We choose our representatives by the popular Vote. That's what we do. With the exception of the Electoral College, which is this anomaly that bore out of a deal that we had to make back in the day, we do things by public. Every single member of Congress was elected by the popular vote. When we think about when we vote on referendum as people, which we do, which we just did in the New, in New York State, we vote by a popular vote. I, I this this distinction. This is a distinction without a difference for the purpose of this conversation. The second point, uh, just let me just clarify. Yes, Republicans got more votes, but there were many, many more Democrat uh, districts that Democrats did not contest that distort those numbers. So don't fall too, too in love with those numbers. But I think that if you if you take that into account, take those districts into account that the Democrat and Republican, there wasn't there wasn't a Democrat even fielded. I say it's about a four percent. Republican win, maybe a three and a half percent Republican win. Yeah, or definitely a Republican win. But as far as about where you if you want, if you think that Donald Trump was a was a help this year, you're in a very small group, Sean.
because the, the polling doesn't bear it out. The candidates that he chose were largely unsuccessful. And unless unless there's something I'm, I'm missing, this was a win, just like John, Chris Sununu said, this was kind of a win for the middle here, not not um, not a win for him. And, uh, and don't just take that from me. That's become the conventional wisdom in Republican circles. I think that's right. And I just read you the stats about how many of these double negative voters, people that don't like MAGA and don't like Biden, cast a vote for Democrats. I, I, I think the exit polls are, are, are pretty clear. Uh, Stefano in the Bronx. Go ahead, Stefano. Welcome back. Hey. Um, so uh, I tell you the truth. By the time we get on, I always forget what I want to say. <laughs> but anyway, listen. I do listen. I uh, I consider myself uh, social. Um, I, I would say that I'm fiscally conservative and socially on the libertarian side. That meaning that I understand that I like all these programs to help people, but I also understand that you got to figure out a way how to pay for them and stuff. So, but that said. I couldn't agree with the guy before, uh, Sean, about what he said about you. I wouldn't even try to get in a conversation with you and have the better side. I find that you could actually probably write for Obama, and I think Obama's a pretty good orator. But here's the thing. We started out today when you were talking about uh, the Republicans and taking office and this negativity, but you got to kind of take a step back. And if you want to say that Biden was elected on the pretext that he was going to unite. He hasn't really done a good job of that. He hasn't really showed up there at all because we keep talking about this MAGA, 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 and you're kind of putting a bullseye on people when you do that. It's just as if somebody were going around spurting about, you know, Jewish, 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 and you want to get that out there. And what are you going to do? You're going to make people hate these people. And I think that that's a pretty dangerous game when he keeps getting up there talking about MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. And, okay, so you're not saying Republican, you're saying MAGA, but it doesn't matter. MAGA are still people like everybody else in a free country where they're free to think the way they want. And now you're putting a bullseye on their back, making it some sort of a bad thing because they are MAGA, which is nothing but make America great again. That's just a phrase. I'm not in love with Donald Trump, and I don't understand why people keep talking about Donald Trump. There should be no reason to talk about Trump. What people should be talking about are the policies that he had put in place that actually work. Now, if you want Trump out of there, that's fine. But get somebody else that's going to say, okay, hey, this worked, this worked, this worked. And you have to kind of give to Caesar what's the Caesar. You can't totally take away, yes, the guy's got a horrible, shitty personality. He's got a delivery system that, believe me, is horrible. I get it. I agree. You know, like when he came out right away talking about DeSantis, I wanted to shoot the guy. I'm like, come on. What, don't do yourself. You're not doing yourself any favors. He keeps drawing incoming fire. Well, I I, I, I think that's right. And I, I appreciate that, uh, Stefan. I appreciate it. L- let me just make a, a, a one point because this this I've, I've thought about it. Uh, I thought about it a little bit. You know, is it the same when you talk about MAGA and when you talk about Republicans? In all of these big primaries of these Senate races, there was a choice between Trump election denial type candidates and more moderate traditional Republican candidates in every one of them. And and in to his credit, one of the reasons why I'm certain he's going to be the nominee to his credit, when Donald Trump went in and put a finger on the scale for his guy, they won a Republican primary. And then they lost, except with the exception of J.D. Vance in Ohio, I think was probably a foregone conclusion anyway. They lost. And I think what Biden was doing correctly, as it turned out, was identifying that out there in the world, there are these candidates that are that are whatever you want to call them, you know, Republican plus that deny elections and the like. That seemed to many moderate centrist voters to be just too risky to put in charge. Every one of the attorney general candidates or the uh, candidates who were running for secretary, uh, secretary of states, rather secretary of state candidates that were running on a platform of election denial lost. I make a distinction between those people and the people they ran against in primaries that said that's not a winning message. That's not how you govern this country by saying you're going to throw out elections. So I make a distinction. And it turned out that Joe Biden was right, that when he was making those speeches, he was pointing out that there's an element out there 
that is just not uh, that should not be elected. And he then the, the American people agreed with him, not by a lot, by the way. Before we go do a victory dance about how, oh, my goodness, the Democrats are amazing. The Republicans screwed everything up. These are one and two point racists throughout the country. One and two points or two and three points or four and five, whatever it is. It wasn't a lot. I mean, and so the, I think that one thing that Republicans have to do, and I'm in the position of trying to speak for you know Republicans, which is funny, but I think that if we want to get middle policies that are successful, that's true of both parties. Our side has to say to people that said, you know, you know, we, you know, we, 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 crime was not an issue in our races here in New York. Those lefties said we don't have to do anything and be tougher on crime. They're wrong. Our side has to push off against them. But the Republicans have to push off these people that are being led, that are leading to nominate nominees that are not electable. That's something to be, to keep an eye on. And I do make a distinction between most Republicans and MAGA Republicans. Now, maybe the use of MAGA is triggering, and I get that, and I think Stefano makes a good point that it does probably lead a lot of people to look in the mirror and say, hey, is he talking about me? I don't think he was. I don't think he was talking about most listeners of this show. 800-848-WABC. On the other side, we'll take a few more calls, and I'll talk a little bit about what I meant about this song being misheard by me and maybe others. WABC. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. 77 WABC. This is Anthony Weiner bringing you back in. This is the middle. We're wrapping up here in a little while. You're taking a few more calls. So what was that line? We don't get fooled again, right? That's not what the name of the song is, though. The name of the song is Won't Get Fooled Again. I know. Probably out there you're like, yeah, Weiner, that's always been the way it is. I have been listening to The Who since I was in short pants. I mean, I saw them live at Shea Stadium. I guess it was Shea back then. I think I saw them at the guard. I mean, I, I this the you know, as soon as I left my kiss phase, which I'm not very proud of, I went into a who phase, and um, only today, like, because I'm thinking of that line, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? So I'm thinking of that line, and the first thing I do is I go play the song, and I realize that the intro, you know, the 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 synthesizer intro is like 35 seconds, that that wouldn't work. And then I'm I'm typing to 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 Kevin to, to let you know how this works. Like Kevin takes these things that I find and he makes cuts out of them. And also I tell him what kind of music I want. He he's a mate. He's kind of like the the Picasso of the program. He looks like Picasso too. He's two dimensional. His nose sticks out. He's like it's this very. He looks like Picasso a little bit. And so I'm I'm looking at the song and I send him, and I. And so I'm listening to the song to see like what lines to to cue up. And sure enough, it's it won't get full again. And the first time I. I noticed this. I mean, I maybe maybe Curtis will think I'm an idiot for not noticing this sooner. But the the chorus is "Don't get fooled again, not won't get fooled again." So no, yes, don't get fooled again. Um, anyway, let's let's go back to something far more important, which is all of you, the callers. You make this show what it is today. Let's go to Greg in Mineola. Greg, fire away. Anthony, two points. First, um, it's interesting how you mentioned if the campaign's not going well for Trump, he'd be willing to uh, hurt the party. But you acknowledge that he cares about the country. And I think that's actually a precise distinction between the parties, because I feel the Democrats' primary emphasis and priority is the Democratic Party, and the country is secondary. Secondarily, um, you saying how the, Democrat, uh, the Republicans, once they get power, shouldn't go after Hunter Biden, uh, like the early caller said, the first second Trump got on that elevator or got into office, both actually, the Democrats did everything in their power with the media to harm him in any way possible. And it, the, the numbers are just extraordinary with the amount of coverage that was adversarial to him compared to Biden's like 
uh, floating mark uh, carpet ride of coverage from the media. It's just astonishing. Well, let me, Greg. Let me ask you, and, and you and you make good points. I I I think that my point got lost. My point is not that they don't have a right to. I just think it's politically not smart when the American people have just cast an election that was was about other things. If you believe that the Democrats lost the House because they didn't do enough about inflation, they didn't do enough about immigration, they didn't do enough about crime, it just seems to me self-defeating to go do – and we have some experience with this. We have the Republicans with Monica Lewinsky – helped whatever you think about the substance, their focus on it elevated Bill Clinton. Whatever you think about Barack Obama on the substance, the Tea Party guys focusing on all kinds of stuff that was not relevant elevate elevated the president. I just think it's bad tactics. I get you can do it. I actually don't think it's a terrible issue for Democrats to be honest. I don't think it I don't think it's a terrible issue. Because I, I've gone through all the stuff. There's there's not a lot of there there. And the other thing is you also have a prosecutor appointed by Donald Trump that is already on the case with Hunter Biden. So I, I, I guess it. And as far as like, yes, Democrats attacked the other guy the moment he walked down the, the escalator and started talking about Mexican rapists. Yes, this is a blood sport. But let me one final, final point about because Greg's call was an excellent one. If you believe that Donald Trump cares more about the country than the party, that's one thing. But that could lead to him running as an independent and guaranteeing that the Democrats win. He should, I would hope, at a certain point, when I say hope, I mean not not for my team, I mean for the benefit of the country, that if he thinks he's not going to win the Republican nomination, he should concede, he should shake the hand of the guy that's leading and go off into the sunset because that would ultimately be best for the things he says he cares about. I just, this, I'm talking tactics now. Like we're talking, we, we're friends. We're, we're all talking tactics here. I just think it's not a smart strategy. The Hunter Biden strategy just makes moderate voters who are not partisan Republicans or partisan Democrats roll their eyes and say, you know what? Does this make it any easier for me to? To, to get a better paying job? Does this make it any better for my kids at their local school? Does this make it one whit um, better for, for my, my senior parents who are struggling to figure out where they're going to live in their, in, their, in their years as they get older and perhaps are, are not well? I mean, do any of these things get any better? Tell me one way that Hunter Biden being dragged before Congress for weeks of hearings makes, him, makes um, uh, um, uh, inflation any better. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, let's just go to Ann in Staten Island. Ann, welcome back. Thank you for calling. Oh, hi, Anthony. Um, I know that you always tell people about um, the fact that oil isn't being drilled. It's because of the oil companies. So I want to ask you, don't you think that something affected the oil drilling uh, this year when half of the acreage in Alaska was closed. Um, that was the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. Half of that has been closed. There were also three leases that were scheduled in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Alaska and, and off the coast of Alaska, where we get the bulk of our shore drilling done. That was canceled. Who canceled it? This administration. Um, the Navajo Nation last year said, you can come and you can drill for oil on our land. And the administration said, oh, but there's a national park there. And the Navajo people said, well, that's okay. We'll give you a five-mile radius around it. And all they were asking for was a very small royalty. Well, that was negated. That was, like, totally squashed. The money that the Navajo people and some of those people on the Navajo Nation are living without running water, without electricity, this would have helped them. But, Ann, let me – can I turn the question around on you? Why do you steadfastly advocate for Exxon? I, we're talking about – you keep saying that the, this administration didn't do anything to stop the drug. Yeah, there are 7,200 – there are 7,290 existing leases that are out there. You're, you're, yes, there, there, there were some that they didn't get, but they got 7,000 of them. And by the way – 
if they were going to start exploring in the 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 Anwar in the Alaska Reserve, it would be about four years minimum before they were to be able to pull any gas oil out of it. So that has nothing to do with the problem we face today. The problem we face today comes down to one thing. And thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. it comes down to one thing. It comes down to this is what capitalism looks like. This is what it looks like. We love capitalism, okay? This is a business. It's not government that's drilling for oil. It's not government that's pumping oil. It's not government that's refining it. It's not government that's putting it in our, in our, uh, that's deciding on the price. I mean, we put some taxes on it, yes. These are oil companies that have these leases, and they have to decide whether they want to refine or not. They have to decide whether they want to explore or not. And if you're Saudi Arabia and you say, I am limiting production, why are they doing that? They're doing it because they want high prices. I mean, we've had this conversation here before. Anne, who's one of my my favorite callers, she always has great questions and calls, waits on to call to say, well, what about these three leases and how about this in Alaska and how about this? They've already, they've got access. No, none of them are saying that we don't have access to go. They're making a decision about how much they refine. When, when, when um, uh, 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 Joe Biden, tapped into the strategic reserve, he had to go to the oil companies and say, don't limit your supply as a reaction to this. I will buy some some oil to you when this crisis ends with the war and whatever else with inflation. Because he knows the moment he did that, the oil companies could say, whoops, we're going to turn down the knob a little bit. Oil companies, they're they're not good dudes. Believe me, you don't want to be standing, uh, calling up and saying, saying that. Don't get fooled again. See what I did there? Thank you so much for joining me in the middle. I'm so grateful. Coming up next, left versus right with my good friend Curtis Lewis. Stick around.